other morning we were all getting ready and uh, getting stuff uh, ready to go. I was up getting getting dressed, ready for you know work and everything. Angela was up getting dressed and getting ready to go, and you know the kids were bustling about and doing our normal morning thing. When you got like I don't know twenty six or forty two or however many people are at our house right now. You know, when you know, got a lot of stuff going on in the morning, you know what I mean? You got to get ready, you got to get moving, you got to get all the stuff doing. Uh, but there was one person who was reluctant to get up that morning, and it was Titus Reed. And so he was curled up in the bed. He had got in the bed with us in the middle of the night, of course. And so he was laying in our bed sleeping. And so we're running around the room, and I'm getting dressed, and we're getting all our stuff on. And all of a sudden, he pops up in the middle of the bed, and he's looking around, all crazy eyed, right? Y'all know how it gets. He's looking around, all crazy eyed, and we're like, dude, are you okay? And he looks at me, and he says, Dad. A monster ate my iPad. And I was like, what? And he's looking around and he goes, no, no. Before, a monster ate my iPad. And he's trying to tell us that he's had a dream, but he doesn't know what a dream is. Because he's two. And so he's trying to tell us that he had a dream. And he's like, Dad, a monster ate my iPad. And I was like, dude, iPad's right here. And I just pitched it to him. And he looks at it and he's like, he said, Dad, did you fight the monster and get my iPad? And I said, yes, I did, son. I fought the monster and I got your iPad back for you. And my wife said, Paul Grider. I know I'm in trouble when she uses my first and last name. We start with... We, Titus used to call me Paul Grider all the time. Some of you guys know that story. He'd be like, Paul Grider, Paul Grider. And we were wondering why he called me Paul Grider, but <laughs> I get in trouble a lot. She said, Paul Grider, don't feed into that. Do not tell him that. Tell him that there are no monsters. And I said, Titus, there's no monsters. Well, now there's not. Not anymore. <laughs> anyway, we had fun with it. We had fun with it. He's a good kid. And uh, I'm so blessed to have him in my life. Um, so blessed to have this new baby on the way, man. So blessed to have an Ollie and, and Jaden and Trista with us. Um, and so super blessed to have Logan. But I, I remember when I first got the call that, that Angela was pregnant with Logan. You know, when, when, when she told me about Titus, we were shocked, right? I mean, we were shocked, but I was overjoyed. You know what I mean? I was shocked. Don't get me wrong. I was like, what? I'm 40 years old. Anyway, but, but, I, but I was overjoyed. I was gushing overjoyed with, with, with love for that. And then when she told me about this new baby that, that, that we're about to have in November, man, I, I, shocked, yes. Too old, yes. But overjoyed. But when I got the call that she was pregnant with Logan, I just want to be honest with you guys. I was terrified. I, I mean, I was, I, was so, I was too scared to feel any joy. You ever be too scared to feel any joy? I mean, I was terrified. Because here I am. And I mean, I was a mess. I was a complete mess. My life was a mess. I was dealing with demons of my own. I mean, I couldn't take care of myself or, or my wife, much less take care of this little tiny person that would depend on me for everything. I mean, I, I was so scared. I mean, that when, when she first told me that, 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 that she was pregnant, man, I, I felt like I had failed already. I, I mean, he's not even, you know, all he was was just a little whatever. And, 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 and I felt like that I had failed him already. 
Because, I mean, my life was a mess. I, I was in trouble. I was broke. I was struggling with so many things in life. And so I was so scared. And I knew in that moment, without a shadow of a doubt, that there's no way that I could do this. No way that I could do this. No way that I could be the, the husband that my wife needed me to be. No way that, no way that I could be the father that this child needed me to be. However, even in the midst of all that stress and all that fear that I was experiencing, somewhere deep down, somewhere deep down in the pit of my soul, even in the state and the circumstances that I was in around me and within me at that time, somewhere deep down within me, even though I knew that I couldn't do it, I knew who could. I knew who could. You know, it says in the Proverbs that if you teach a child the way that they should go, when they're older, that they won't depart from it. And I have to believe that that's true. And that's why it's so important that we got these kids in here right now teaching them about Jesus. But because when you need him, when you know that you can't do it anymore, you know who can. You know who can. Now, whether or not you're going to go to him, that's up to you. That's where the choice comes in. But you know. And so in that moment, I knew that I couldn't do it. But by God, I knew who could. I knew who could. And so little by little, and believe me, it took me a long time. Little by little, I I worked my way to the foot of that cross. Little by little, I fought and I clawed. And by His grace, He drew me. Praise God. Thank Him for that. And by His light and His glory and His glory and His grace, He drew me. And He gave me everything that I needed to be the father that Logan needed me to be. None of it came from me. All of it came from Him. Can you say amen? And he's given me everything that I need to be the father that Titus needs. And he's given me everything I need to be the father for as long as I have to for Anali and for Jaden and for Trista. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that he's going to give me everything that I need to be the father that I need to be for this new baby that we're about to have. Can you say amen? Yeah, give him a shout of praise for that, man, because he deserves it. He deserves it. It all comes from him. Would you guys stand to your feet as we read from the word of God this morning? I'm in the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2. And uh, man, this is so good. You are witnesses. And so is God. Starting in verse 10. Of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Encouraging. Comforting. And urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. God, we come to you this morning and we just pray that you'll... Let us receive this word, not as a human word, but as it is. The sovereign, powerful, grace-filled, inspired, empowered word of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can give him a shout of praise and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. You know what it's all about? Consistency. Consistency. 
be who God has called you to be. Not just here on Sunday, but all the time. I like what JR sings, man, when he gets real excited. He's like, on a Monday, and on a Tuesday, and on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like every day, be the same. I love what it says. He says, listen, you saw and so did God how holy, righteous, and blameless we were before you and before God. Man, we got to be the same in the morning and in the night. We got to be the same in the church as we are on the couch. We got to be the same on the internet as we are walking down the street. If we ever want to have a powerful witness, man, we got to be consistent. We got to be consistent. You know, I love what it says. Like, like, you saw how holy and blameless that we were amongst you, and so did God. Here's the deal you see me, He sees me. But you see the outside, and He sees the inside. But how incredibly powerful would it be if you guys saw the same thing that He did? I mean, if you you see how I am and how I act, and he sees how I am and how I act, but too often you see completely different things. Because you see the facade that we put out there, but God sees things as they really are. What if those two things mesh? What if those two things come together and produce the man or woman of God that we have been designed to be since the beginning? Man, man, what, what, what if, it, what if it, 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 it is consistent, man? What if, it's, what if it's consistent? What if you both see the same thing all the time? All the time. I, I, I love what the book of Revelation in, in chapter 3 and verse 17 says. And some of you are very familiar with this verse. You know, Jesus says, you know, be hot or be cold. Because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And, and, and I love that scripture because it's like this. And some of you were like, well, what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. If you're on fire for God, then he can use you and so can we. If you're, far, if you're cold, if you're far from God, then we, then we can pray for you and he can come get you. But if you're lukewarm, if you're all wishy-washy, we don't know what to do with you. We don't know what to do with you. If you're this way one day and that way the other day, I mean, what are we supposed to do with you? I mean, if you show up at church like, hey, use me. I'm on fire for God. I'm praising Jesus. I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. I'm here now. I'm here now. I'm going to do it. I'm going to serve God. I'm a disciple. I'm this. And then my wife calls you and is like, hey, I really need you to serve in the children's ministry. And you're like, no. I can't. I've got a thing. What? And then people, I mean, people will show up here at the church and be like, hey, I'm on fire for God. I got the gospel within me, man. I, I need to preach Jesus and do all the stuff and be the thing. And I'm in and I want to give and serve and lead and love and do all the stuff. And I'm like, hey, that's great, man. We would love to, love for you too. I want to join the church. Okay, man, that's great. That's great. Let's do it. And then you don't see him for six months. <laughs> you know, and I've talked about this before, man. People are like on the, on the social media, like, I love Jesus and he's the one. And the next minute they're on there talking about like all the crazy stuff that they've been doing over the weekend. And pick something. Be consistent. If you're on fire for God, be on fire for God. If you're not, let me know so I can help you. So I can pray for you. Man, if you're far out there, we'll come get you. If you're way far out there, man, we'll come get you. We will would, we would, we'll, we'll chase you till the ends of the earth, man. Jesus Christ, he'll light up. There's no shadow he won't light up. No mountain he won't climb. Just let us know, man. Be consistent. Let the things that people see be the same thing that God sees. Be consistent. 
you know, we've said this about the way church for a long time. The way church is really just kind of burst for people that are far from God or people that are on fire from God. You know, people that are kind of wishy-washy casual Christians, they don't really last long around here. And that's okay. It's okay. You know, like I posted last night, there's all kinds of churches out there, man. Pick one, go to it. Go to it. And when you get there, serve and give and lead and love and be part of it, man. But like I said, this church here is specifically burst by God for people that are far away from God and people that are trying to get real close to God. You know, it's, it's not for the casual everyday person, and that's all right. That's all right. There's churches out there that specifically want to cater to that. And it's just not us. It's not who we are. And that's okay because it takes all kinds. It takes all kinds. We just are burst for a specific reason here, man. I, I just want us to be the same. And, and, and I love this next piece of the scripture, man. It's beautiful. We dealt with you like a father deals with his own children. But, but, but really what he's saying is we dealt with you as we've seen the father deal with us. We, we deal with you as the father deals with his, his children. I love what Jesus says. I mean, Jesus says, I only do what I see my father do. I only do what I see my father do. And it's so true. So true. And it needs to be true. You know, I've told this story before, and it's kind of silly, but up until the time I was about 16, I didn't like barbecue sauce. I thought it was the most disgusting stuff on the face of the earth. I had never tried it. You know why I didn't like barbecue sauce? My daddy didn't like barbecue sauce. And up until I was about 16, I mean, I was going on adulthood, and people were like, hey, we got some barbecue, chick barbecue chicken. I'd be like, no thanks. Make mine plain. I don't do that. I mean, Seriously. And he was making a disciple of me, whether he knew it or not. Because I was going to do what my daddy did. And then one day I was eating an Arby's roast beef sandwich. I was like, give me some of that Arby's sauce. I'll put it on here. You know, and they're like, dude, I thought you didn't like barbecue sauce. I was like, I don't. And they're like, dude, that's like, actually, Arby's sauce is like bad barbecue sauce. It's barbecue sauce, but it's like not very good. And I was like, what? No, it's not. And they're like, yeah, seriously. And then so I tried it and I realized I really do like barbecue sauce. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the point is that we do what we see our fathers do. And so why not lock our gaze on the author and the finisher of our faith? And let's do like he did, man. Jesus Christ said, I only do what I see my father do. I can only do what I see my father do. And so what does a father do? What's cool, this scripture lays it out for us. It says this, that they encourage, that they comfort and that they urge you to live for God. I mean, what better definition could you ever hope for? I mean, you want instructions for being a father? Do that. You want instructions for being a father? Do that. Encourage, comfort, and urge the people you have influence over to live for God. Let me give you an example. Jesus Christ is at the temple teaching, and they bring this lady caught in adultery, and they throw her down at his feet. And they say, what would you have us do? Jesus, she was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her and you and your hippie love and grace and mercy say to let her go. What, what, what should we do with her? And Jesus says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And she's encouraged because she knows she's going to live. As they go away. And then Jesus speaks to her and he says, does no one condemn you? And she says, no. And he says, then I don't either. And she's comforted because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. 
And then he says, now, go and sin no more. Urges her to live for God. You want another example? There was this lady that was struggling with an issue of blood. She was bleeding, which means not just was she suffering physically, but she had been ostracized from her entire community. She had not been able to get close to her or touch another person in, what, 13 years, is it? 12 years? And, and, and she's struggling. And, and she needs something. And she's tried every remedy that there is. But she hears Jesus coming to town. And she's encouraged. And she's encouraged. And she is encouraged And then she fights her way through the crowd and she just touches the hem of his garment because it's all we need. And she's healed. But that's not the most beautiful part of the story. See, after he turns around and says, who was it that touches me? She thinks she's about to draw the wrath of God and of people. And instead, he says, my daughter, And she's comforted. She's comforted. He says, your faith has made you whole. And she's urged to live a life for God. How many people in here have a story just like that? How many? How many have a story just like that? Whereas we met Jesus Christ, we were encouraged, we were comforted. And we were urged to live for Him. And isn't that what we want for our own children? For them to be encouraged in a world that's so discouraging. For them to be comforted in a world that's so full of pain. And for us to urge them to ignore all the things that are being thrust on them by the world and to urge them instead to make the decision to live for God. Isn't that what we want for them? You know, in in Hebrews 10, it says this in verse 24. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more since you see the day approaching. 1 Thessalonians 4 says this, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Colossians 1.10 says this, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. Encourage, comfort, urge. That's our job. That's our job. But not just fathers. Grandfathers, uncles, big brothers, mentors, grandmothers, mothers, aunts, sisters, women of God. Really, isn't that the job that all of us have? To encourage people that feel like they're falling apart. Or that are on fire need to take that next step towards God to encourage them. Like, hey, Jen, you can lead worship. Come on, step up there. See a need, feel a need. Come on, sister. Come on, yeah, give God praise for that. Come on, what about this woman of God? I mean, what about it? To comfort people that are broken. Did you see all those people that gathered at the courthouse lawn the other night? Come on, Penn, we had a whole community of believers just come together to comfort a broken and grieving family. 
Come on. And to urge people to live for God when we live in a world that is urging them to not. That's what we're called to do. And, and, I, and I love the next part of the scripture, man. It, it, it says this. It, it says, and this is why we constantly thank God. Because when we received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it. Not as a human message, but as it truly is the word of God, which is working effectively in those of you who believe. The Apostle Paul is, is thanking God for what he sees in the church of Thessalonica. That he sees them receiving the word of God. Not as a human message. Not, not as a, hey, do these things and it'll be great. Not like some kind of stupid TED talk. You hear what I'm saying? But as it is, as the word of God. And, and in this moment, I get to stand here and feel like Paul. Not me, but the other Paul. Because I see the word of God at work in you. I mean, I'm so blessed to be able to, to say that I'm the pastor of a church where I see the people receiving the Word of God, not as a human word, but as it is, as the Word of God. Yeah, man, I see God working in you. And I see you receiving the work of God. And I see you growing in Christ. And I see you changing in Christ. And I see the Holy Spirit working on so many people here in the church. I mean, it's amazing what God does. I mean, you guys are grasping on to the powerful Word of God. You're, you're letting it change you. You're letting it make you and mold you and shape you and empower you to be the person that God had designed you to be the entire time. The entire time. The entire time. You just needed a little Word of God. A little Holy Spirit in your life. Needed to be on that potter's wheel just a little bit, right? Uh, needed to be in the put in that forge just a little bit. You know, you just needed that Word of God applied to your life. And the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, slices between soul and spirit, between bone and marrow, makes everything right, prunes what needs to be pruned, empowers what needs to be empowered. That's what the Word of God does in our life. And I see it happening in you, all of you, men and women and boys and girls being empowered by the Word of God in this church. But you know, one of the, one of the coolest things about our church is the men of God here. And, and I just got to brag on them a little bit. I mean, I, I have been connected to a lot of churches for a long time. And throughout most of the churches that I've ever been associated with, it's the women that lead the way. I mean, it really is. I mean, most of the churches I've ever been associated with, it's the women that do 90% of the work. It's the ladies that show up and serve 90% of the time. I mean, it's them that, that, that drag their families to church. It's them that put in the work. It's them that are doing everything behind the scenes. It's always the, praise, you know, the women of God and praise them for doing that. But they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't have to. And I'm blessed to be part of a church where they don't have to. I'm blessed to be part of a church where they don't have to. Where I look around and I see powerful men of God that are willing to lead their families where they need to go. Powerful men of God that are willing to, to show up and serve on a Wednesday night and go out into our communities and love on people that need loved on and show them what a man of God is supposed to look like. And that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and the Word of God has done that. In them and in me and in all of you. And that's not to put our women down here. You guys are amazing. You ladies of the Way Church are nothing short of astounding the way that you serve God and the way that you grab onto the Word of God. Let me read this, man. I read this every week. But let me tell you what comes after it. Well, let me, let me read this last scripture. And it says, and, and the Word is working in you that believe. The Word will work in those that believe. Romans 10 says this, and I, and I, I say this every week, but the Bible says this. For, for all that call in the name of the Lord will be. See, look at that, word of God. Y'all know. All that call in the name of the Lord will be. Come on. 
But you know what it says after that? It says this, verse 14. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they pre- and, and how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they're sent? And as, it, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But not all obeyed the, obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Man. Man, that's, that's heavy, right? That's heavy. That, that, that makes me really important, doesn't it? Me and, and Brent and, and Vince, Billy. You know, Pastor Philip and Pastor Scott down the road. And, you know, Nick and Chad and them in Glasgow. And, you know, Steve and them down in Bowling Green, man. And, and it, 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 you know, Dylan down there in Muffield, man. It, it makes us really important. Reverend Heater and, 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 and Brother Kendall, man. It makes us important people. T.D. Jakes and Matt Chandler and Furtick and all them, man. It makes us really important people, doesn't it? You know who the most important preacher in your family is? It ain't me. The most important preacher in your family is not me. It's you. It's you. The most important preacher in your family is you. Not me. I mean, I'm blessed to be able to do what I do. Blessed to. And I'll get up and do it every single time I have the opportunity to. And it is important. But it's not as important for your family as what you do with it. Most important preacher in your family is you. It's up to you to encourage them with the Word of God. It's up to you to comfort them with the Word of God. And it's up to you to urge them to live a life for God with the Word of God. It's up to you. Always has been. Always will be. Your first and best ministry is to your family and your loved ones and the people that you have influence over in your life. That's where this thing begins and ends. That's the whole point of this thing. You know, the, the, the Word of God spread virally, man. It doesn't come from the, from the top down as far, as far as the message goes. After it comes from Jesus, man, it spreads. Discipleship works like this, right? Not like this. I mean, we get that message from God, but then it spreads out, man. You know, if, if I make a disciple out of Josh, man, and then Josh is able to, to work in the lives of Andy and Carrie, and then, and then and Andy's able to tell Todd and, and Tony, and, and Carrie's able to tell Garth and, and, and Micah, and they're able to spread to these Milby Bunch, man, and then they can go make more disciples. Like, that's how this thing works. I could preach till I was blue in the face and getting, you know, a thousand people saved every day, but I'd never be able to get the message to the whole world. But if you'll let the Word of God work in you, and then you'll go tell the Word of God to somebody else around you. And then they will go tell the Word of God to somebody in their life. And then you'll find somebody else to share the Word of God with. It wouldn't be no time until we covered this whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? And that's what being a father is all about. But not just a father. That's what being a disciple of Christ is all about. Fathers, mothers, grandmothers, grandfathers, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, cousins, friends, co-workers, people we don't even know. That's what this whole thing is all about. But I'm not telling you to give away something that you don't have or can't get. Because look, when they told me that I was about to be a father, I didn't have anything that it took to be able to parent that young man. 
I didn't have anything that he needed to grow into the powerful man of God that he is now. Everything that I have given him came from him. And that same conduit of love and truth and grace and mercy and glory is available to you right now. I ain't got nothing that you can't get. But it is true that you cannot give away something that you don't have. You can't. You can't give away something that you don't have. And so if you're going to share the Word of God with those people you have influence over in your life, you've got to have the Word of God. If you're going to share the, the Holy Spirit with those people that you have influence in over your life, then you've got to have the Holy Spirit within you to be able to share with them. If you want the people in your life to have a salvation relationship with Jesus Christ, then you have to have one yourself. Because you can't share something with them that you don't have. And every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of light. And so maybe, maybe nobody was there in your life to share these things with you. Maybe you didn't have somebody in your life that was willing to pick up the ball and run with it like I'm asking you to do. Maybe you didn't have anybody to do that. Well, that's why I am here. That's why I'm here today. To be able to give you what I have. A few weeks ago, I just sat on my back steps and just wept. I haven't really dealt with any temptations from my old life, if you know what I mean, that had any merit for a decade. And then one day, a couple of months ago, and I told the guys at New Life this, a couple of months ago, man, it just hit me out of the blue. I mean, just, just the weight of, of, of the temptation just to fall right back into my old life that God set me free from. I'm talking about out of nowhere. I was minding my own business. And some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And, and, and you've experienced something similar. Minding my own business, going about my day. And all of a sudden, the voice of the enemy, which sounds like my voice, let me be real clear. I know that it's the enemy because I know what my father's voice sounds like and it wasn't it. But the voice of the enemy so loud in my ear said, you know what you ought to do. All this stress can be gone. All, all this pressure can be gone and all you got to do is this one little thing. It'll all be over. Just run right back into this darkness. It'll be, it'll, it'll be great. And it was heavy. For the first time in 10 years, I was quivering. And it was heavy. And so I prayed 
and I surrendered and I invited the Holy Spirit to come in and just clean up whatever needed to be cleaned up, man. And then I prayed in the natural and I prayed in the spirit and I prayed till I felt like I was done praying. You know what I'm saying? And then I just sit there on my back steps and just wept before the Lord. But not because of the temptation and not because it was something I had to overcome. That's okay. We're all going to deal with that stuff. No, I wept because I, I got in my mind what my children's life could have been like. I sit there and thought about it for a good time. What my children's life, what my wife's life, what my parents' life, what my family and friends' life would have been like if Jesus Christ had not reached into that darkness and broke those chains and pulled me out and bathed me in His glorious life. about my oldest son man that serves in this church that loves Jesus that, that reads our Bible studies at night that has this little girlfriend and they praise God together but I thought about what his life would have been like had I kept going down the path that I was going down how different that he would be and what kind of life he would have if not for Jesus Christ changing my life and I just wept I just wept because of the man that he is and the man that he could have been Listen, it's not too late. It's never too late until it is. But if you hear my voice right now, it's not. Not too late for you to become the person that God has always called you to be. The one that's able to encourage because you're encouraged. The one that's able to comfort because you're comforted. The one that's able to urge them to live a life for God, not because you know it's the right thing to do, but because you're living it out too. And there's consistency. See, it's hard to urge somebody to live a life for God when what everybody sees is different from what God sees. But here's the deal. I'm not asking you to act better, be better, do better. Because then it really ain't got that much to do with those things. I'm just asking you to surrender your life at the foot of the cross. And let Him do everything else. Because life is heavy and life is hard. And you know what? It's too heavy for me and it's too heavy for you. And it's too hard for me and it's too hard for you. But you know who it's not too hard for? John 16 and 33 says this. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. 
for I have overcome the world.